Hey there, dreamers and doers. Amanda Rosati here from Be The Black Sheep, welcoming you to a brand new episode of Magic PD, where we show you how to bring the magic home. I'm here today with James Fraser-Smith, who is an actor, entertainer, and pro wrestler. Are we not so privileged this day? James, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you so much for offering to come on the show today. Now, you tell me you've got a few stories you're going to tell us. Is that true? Yes. Uh, depends on the, mm, I don't know, it depends on the rating of which said stories uh, wish to be told. Um, it's yeah. not suitable for children as per my YouTube license. So oh. <laughs> tell all the stories. We love um, the stories. Okay. I guess the, the creating of the creating of magic for me, um, like I've always been really invested and really interested in the art of storytelling and the art of make-believe and I guess the evolution of how you can create something in your own reality and therefore escape real reality, if that is, makes sense. So Absolutely, I, yeah. So I've always, I've always felt connected in the art of pro wrestling, not from, I guess, the athleticism side of things, like the moves and everything didn't really drag me in it was the fact of that you know you could be these characters and there were these storylines and there was these friendships and romances and brothers and sisters and all these sort of weird you know angles that you could sort of portray and then to duke it out or to resolve the issue you had to fight in a ring and the crowd just ate it up and wore shirts and i thought that i saw that as a kid and i thought this is i originally thought it was like a news report because there was just a crowd of people and someone had got attacked and I was like, where was this? And when yeah. I discovered it was wrestling, then I immediately just dove heavily into the characters. I mean, there was characters there, like um, one of my favorites called the undertaker who portrays yeah. himself as a dead man and right? people in coffins. And, you know, it was just, it was so over the top, but it was, it was, you just couldn't look away. It was one of those things where it was like, I know it's not real, but I can't look away. Absolutely. And yeah, it wasn't, I think, until 2008 that I had the chance with one of my high school friends um, to actually be a part of it. And I never really thought that doing it that I'd ever get in the ring. I thought I'd maybe just sort of do what's called managing, where you sort of stand outside the ring and you sort of bark orders at the guy that you're yeah. aligned with. Um, but through circumstances with out of my control, my high school friends ended up leaving a year later and I was just sort of really starting to enjoy it. And there was an idea in place where basically, hey, why don't you just stay here for a while? Why don't you just stay and see where we go with it? And it's been such, you know, and now to fast forward time, here we are 12 years later and I'm still doing it. And I like the the idea of just creating these stories and creating these scenarios for people. The best, the best vibe for me is when you have those naysayers and you have those people that come in and, and it's a common thing. You, you experience it with everything. You'll have people that will just be completely negative about whatever it is you do. Like you could be so totally into magic and people will go, Oh, that's stupid. You could be totally into Disney movies and they'll go mm, the live animation, the live action CGI is better. Like there is always an argument between good and bad, um, right and wrong, black and white. But my favorite thing to do is that when people come in to see the wrestling, they'll either bring people that go, oh, this is fake. I don't know why I'm here. I don't like this. This is all dumb. And my favorite moment is converting those people so that when they leave, they're the first people to go, when's the next show? 
Yeah. Because they're so emotionally invested in what we're doing, not only as performers, but as characters and they're therefore telling a story that, um, yeah, I think that's one of the best compliments I can get without actually meeting the person, just sort of overhearing it. Um, and knowing that they'll be back and knowing that whatever we've done, either myself or collectively as a group um, throughout the night with all the different matches that we've converted those people to go, I've got to come back. Um, but yeah, the stories for me, uh, <laughs> um, I, the, the, so that to sort of tell your listeners about wrestling, for those that don't know, there's much like movies and much like um, uh, animation and, and all sorts of things in, in everyday life. There are your good guys and there are your bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, for a majority of my career, I've been a good guy, which is called a baby face in wrestling. And okay. there's the bad guys, which are called a heel. Um, when I went heel properly in about 2017, I think it was, maybe 2016, one of those years. Mm-hmm. Memory kind of escapes me. Um, we... We made it, a th- it became a, a trend with the crowd where um, because of the acting and because of the entertaining and because of the vague stand-up comedy uh, experiences that I've had, um, I have, you have to be very quick-witted with the crowd. If you're a bad guy and they're going to yell, you know, uh, and heckle you, you have to be very quick to shut them down. You can't stop and then think about it and then come back five minutes later because the moment's gone. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it, um, there was a, <laughs> there was a time we were doing a show and it was an 18 plus show. And at, at the show you could drink and bring your drinks in and people yeah. heckle and it was, you know, anything goes. Amazing. Kind of so we had this one guy um, yell out these sort of derogatory comments towards myself. And that's fine. Like I've, I've heard pretty much every height joke you can make. Cause I'm only four foot 10. So I, I've heard every height joke under the sun and it's, it's like water for ducks back. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. But I, I, I wanted to try something as a character to go, I want to pick a comment tonight that I know is going to be terrible. Like, it, it won't matter. It's going to be the worst thing you ever heard. Like, as, in the sense of, that's just dumb. That's not even offensive. That's just stupid. But I wanted to make that comment, the stupid one, that you go, oh, that was pointless. Yeah. I wanted to make that one, to me as a character, be the most offensive thing I've heard and see oh. how far I could take it. Nice, yeah. So I took that comment. It was really, it was really dumb. I was like, oh, I'll go back to Hobbiton or something like some oh Lord of the Rings comment. Like yeah. it was just, it was just like, what? But I thought that's it. That's the one I'm going to get. That's the one I'm going to antagonize and play with. Mm-hmm. So I ended up antagonizing this guy and there was a bit of back and forth between us. And I said some really dumb reply after a bit of back and forth. I think it was something along the lines of, I pretended to break character while still in character. Yeah, so yeah. I was acting like I dropped my character, but in reality I hadn't, but I was pretending like I had. Yeah. So I said to him, I was like, why would you say that comment, man? That's so ridiculous. Like I don't, I don't come to your work and um, I don't come to your work and tell you how to do your job. Why are you doing it with me? And the guy was like, had his beer and he's looking all confused at me. And um, he's like, Oh, just go back, just go back doing to doing your job. And I looked at him dead in the eyes and I went, I am doing my job. And he didn't get it. He was like, yeah, good. The F off then. And I went, I said, man, if you make that, he had a big bushy beard too. And I said, man, if, if you ever make those comments again, I'll effing shave you. Like it was a stupid response to a stupid answer, but he was really offended at the fact that I said I'd shave him. Like I'd shave his beard. Like he was offended by that just because of the tone of the way I was trajectory. Oh. 
So much so that after we, after my guy I was managing had finished in the ring, we got backstage. The owner came through, the owner of the wrestling came through the locker room door and he said, you know, is Flash and I was associated with another guy called Rip Riley. He goes, Flash and Rip Riley here? And we were both like, yo, you know. I guess, oh, good. Uh, yeah, man, you've got a guy out the front that looks, I'm pretty sure he wants to fight you. But apparently you said something to him during the match. And I went, I said, yeah, I told him I'd shave him. And he goes, well, whatever you said, he's now at the front really wanting to fight you. Like, actually, wanting, he's like, I'm not kidding about this. He's like, so I'm not going to tell you how to run your life. He, I said, but uh, he goes, but uh, yeah, maybe go out there and just just let him know that it's not real. And then I sort of toyed with the owner and I was like, but what if I do want to shave him? You know, it's so ridiculous. So I, I went out the front. I took like a referee and I took like another wrestler with me and we stood out the front. And I'm not kidding. He clinked the, I said, oh, hey man, how's it going? And sure enough, there he was outside in the street. And um, he had his fist clenched as soon as I went up towards him. Like, hey man, how are you? And he just tightened his fist and he stood there. He's ready like, to die. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, good. How are you? And I went, yeah, I'm great. I said, hey man, uh, words are words. I said, just letting you know, this is a show. I don't actually feel that way. Apparently you got a bit heated. Came out here to let you know that I'm not really going to shave you and I'm not really meaning what I said, but I hope you had fun. Sorry I upset you. And uh, yeah, I hope you're going to stick around for the rest of the show. And I took my hand out to shake his hand, sort of say, you know, sorry about yeah, that. Yeah. The dude sort of squatted down and collapsed and sort of squatted on like with his hands over his face and he was just having like this sort of existential crisis. And I'm still standing there like, well, um, I'm not sure what's happening here. And he, he got up and he said, man, he goes, I'm with a friend of mine that loves this stuff. Like yeah. loves coming to these shows. And he said to me that there's a small guy on the roster called Flashman, and that you have to come and see him because he's such a master on the mic and the way that he comments and shuts people down. Yeah. And I went, yeah, okay, I've got to come and see this. And he told me, he was telling me the whole time you were like amping me up. He goes, oh, you know, this is what he does. He's just kidding. He's just kidding. And I didn't believe my friend. But now that you're here apologizing, he's like, I'm, he goes, I just can't believe that. He goes, it, it just, the way you were doing it just felt really natural to me. Sure enough, his friend then comes around the corner and he's like, hi, Flashman. <laughs> he goes, oh, did you tell my friend that it's not real? And I said, well, I apologize for what I said. And he goes, yeah, you idiot. Told you he's the best. <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah. and is that validating? Is that validating to you that you do an amazing job? <laughs> well, it's nice. I mean, it's nice that, that it, it is. It's, it's nice that they get so emotionally invested in what we're doing as a show. It's nice that they escape and they get so immersed in not yeah. only the story, but the characters. Um, mm -hmm. It's always, it's always good to know that, when you're a bad guy and people are quite literally angry at you, like to the point of, mm, you know, they don't know it's not real. Right. Like in the yeah. sense of like, I'm not actually going to, you know, randomly set this person on fire or something. Like I'm not actually going to do this. And for them to actually go home and be like, he said he'd burn them. Oh, you know, like it's, it, it's it is a compliment in the in the in that sense because there are so many other times where you can go out there and be like oh I hate everyone and people could just yawn or you know be on their phone or do whatever anything else. Um, I think the only one that sort of matches that was one time I was a good guy and this was I think about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was a year ago, 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this month a year ago, um, just October now, and 
I had spent, I'd come back in 2018. I'd been off for about nine months and um, I'd come back and spent the whole calendar year. So two or one or two shows a year, whatever it was back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. One or two shows a month. Uh, I yeah, should say. Yeah. And we got to October and we decided like, we're coming off the back of a storyline where I was a good guy and I was fighting a bad guy. And we, and I thought, Hey, what a better way that once we finish that chapter, and even though it's, we think it's finished, we do one more match. So this will be four, but it's a f- sort of five on five. Like there's five people on this team, five on that team, five good guys, five bad uh, yeah, guys. Yeah. And it looks like I'm going to gain one more advantage over this bad guy and everyone's going to go, yeah, cool. And then what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to turn around and blast my ally with a chair, thereby joining up with the guy that I've just had this rivalry with. Right. Do a complete sort of blindside for the fans. It it worked so much so that I got inboxed on my uh, Facebook wrestling page yeah. of a fan burning my merchandise shirt and putting it in a bin. Yes. So, Goals. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, if you upset people to that level, um, I think you're I think you're on the right track. That's amazing. So what is it about? Um, that whole pro wrestling scene, do you think that creates that, um, that level of immersion? Like, obviously you're extremely talented people. What, what else do you think sort of ties it all together? Um, I think that just the concept of believability, um, like I haven't had the exposure to seeing, um, you know, everyone in, in this, in this, uh, country of ours come up through the ranks but the people that I have witnessed and the people that I have seen thus far in the 12 years that I've been doing it there's a difference between people going out there and doing what I like to call dialing it in where they just sort of go through the motions yeah and there's also this point where those people that are going through the motions have that sort of that spark and that lightning bolt and that that sort of light switch that comes on Mm -hmm. where they go from just performing to believing in what they do and I think the concept of if you're out there as a performer and it could be in any field. It could be in costuming, it could be in comedy, it could be in entertaining, it could be in acting. If you believe so much in, in the concept and the idea of the character that you're portraying and the situation that your character is finding itself in, and you believe that, and you make that real to you in your art form, and you express your reality through whatever actions are needed to get that point across, then there really isn't that much that the crowd or the fans or the people in attendance could do other than go along with you. Absolutely. And it's sort of that thing where you go, well, he believes, so I believe. And for me as a sort of pigeonholed in the sense of like, because of my size and my frame, there are a lot of kids that, um, you know, if I was to shave this off and put a hat on, um, basically to them, I'm one of them. Yeah. But um, the idea is that, you know, it's very, it's a very pigeonholed niche. It's like, oh, he's one of us, you know, and I sort of dress up as the flash and the red and yellow and things like that when I wrestle. So it's very much like a bright, colorful superhero kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So all these little kids go, oh, he's like us. He's, he's my height, but he's a he's hero and I can relate to him, That's which then translates to the mum and dad, which then translates yeah. to the family. So it's that concept is very unique in itself too. Absolutely. Um, so it's good to have that sort of um, connection with, with the young audiences is through that, through that means and through that method. And that's something that will probably never go away because my frame is my frame. My height is my height. It's not like I can just go, just kidding. Still today. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. I'm stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that pigeonhole aspect too of, of believability is that, you know, the parents 
we'll obviously pay the money because the kids like the wrestling or whatever else. But when the kids sort of are connected to one or two characters, it could be myself, it could be anyone on the roster. But when they, when they have that connection, that believability, then the parents sort of go, oh, you know, it's a bit fun. You know, go on there a Saturday night and, you know, our son or daughter gets into it and we love it. Yeah, it's good fun. So, and that sort of spreads through word of mouth. And then people go, yeah, we know it's, you know, not all, it's, it's a bit smoke and mirrors to some extent, but um, to create that escapism and that believability for the fans to make them just forget, you know, that they've, again, sort of brings it back to what I said originally, forget that, you know, it's not a real thing to them and to forget that it's a show and to actually believe it's a real thing and to believe in us, not only as characters, but now as people, like your, your birth name was Flashman. Oh, here's my birth certificate. You know, he always, he doesn't have a real name. That's him. You know, he wears the costume 24 seven, you know, it's to make them think that is, I think, you know, the, the, the key to it all is just, you have to believe in what you're doing because when you do, it's very hard for the crowd to sort of really think otherwise but absolutely yeah, yeah it's so true because you're, you're just you're creating that immersion like you mentioned that that new reality so to speak right yeah you are you're creating your own environment and creating your own world and yeah you're quite right you are creating your own reality and I think that's why I was drawn to it because of all fields that I've been able to do um pro wrestling allows you to to do a majority of them in in one night you know you could be happy you could be sad you could you could sing with the audience you could tell jokes um you know you could you could you could fight you know, you could you know you could use weapons you could you could have a breakup you could have a friendship come back you could reunite like it, there's all sorts of avenues that you can do in that field in one night and it's sort of like man like the opp- the possibilities and the opportunities to to present those and to do those for fans um it's kind of limitless um well COVID notwithstanding, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, and I think just for me, that's why I've always um, really enjoyed it. It's just the fact of creating something for people to come and enjoy, and especially when I'm out there, um, I like to create things that you know, I'm not really the pro wrestling athlete, like, I'm never gonna be able to throw someone over my head, that's fine, but what I do on the show, uh, I really want to make sure people go. Yeah, the, the that match was cool. Oh, but did you see what happened to Flash? I've got to come back next month. Like that for me is a very big compliment for, for for them leaving a show. Because naturally, you know, if you go to a movie or a theater production, you're probably only gonna really remember the the last twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, if it, if it's been a long night. Like Marvel movies and everything else notwithstanding, like they're pretty much like, oh uh, yeah, I remember like everyone remembers the end of Infinity War and everyone remembers the the last big battle scene of Endgame because that's the yeah. last sort of 20 minutes. Yeah. So to know that what you do on that night in that performance, people will leave the venue remembering that amongst everything else. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I've done my job. Like that's, that's that, that's, that's enough for me. I don't, I don't care about selling t-shirts or posters. I care about people having escape, enjoying themselves and remembering what I did and wanting to come back next month to see what happens next, if anything. So yeah, I think that's really what drove me to be a part of it. I mean, I think I'm still here 12 years later. <laughs> I think I'm well, enjoying it. <laughs> and I think too, just, I guess, to cap, put an end cap on that, it, it's about making people feel something as well, right? Just mm. you're creating that space, like we said, but it's making them feel something, whether they're, like you said, whether they're angry at you and they want to come and kill you or you know whether they're your number one fan it's about making people feel that something right yeah 
yeah, as you can have that emotional connection with an audience and with the crowd. Um, and that's, that's the key to it all really. If, um, yeah, if they care, um, then they believe. And if they believe they, it's very hard to sort of tell them otherwise. It, it almost gets to the point where they, um, like just for example, not to go off on another tangent, but just for example, the, the match I have coming up, I have people in my life that have met me, um, obviously, and I have people in my life that have, that know of my opponent and know that the history that we have together, not only as um, competitors in the ring, but friends outside the ring. And I've had people come up to me and message me being like, hang on a second. I thought you guys were friends. I, didn't you guys like hang out like not too long ago? And these are people that have met both of us in real life and hung out with us outside of a wrestling environment to have them now message me or call me up and go, wait a minute. What is this? Is this, are you guys actually okay? So straight away off the bat, you know, we're not even at the show and people are already like, I have to go and watch this. So I think we're onto something good. I Absolutely. Hope. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's incredible. I mm, love that it's good so fun. much. James, thank you so much for your time today. Now, if people want to follow you on the interwebs and maybe even if they want to get tickets to your shows, because I know I'm coming to the next one. Hey. Tell me where we can find you. Uh, so I have a uh, flash man, my wrestling characters page on a Facebook. It's facebook.com slash flashman one Oh one. Um, I also have a Twitter, which is at run flashman run. And I also have a wrestling based podcast where I interview wrestlers about how they came up with their characters and everything in, in between their in ring and personal life. Um, and that is at, uh, it's called Little Man Big Conversations. And that on Facebook is facebook.com slash LMBC podcast. And I think it's on Twitter, LMBC underscore podcast. And, uh, Amazing. Yeah. and what I will do for you folks, I know that was a lot of information. I'm going to put that <laughs> in the description so you can find it. And I'm keen to check out the podcast as well. Again, James, thank you so much for being a part of this episode of Magic PD, where we show you how to bring the magic home. Make sure you follow what James is up to, everyone viewing at home, and I hope you're having a fabulous time wherever you are in the world, and we'll catch you for another episode soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.